0: up in today's City Pentecostal
1: Church Sermon of the Week. How do I pray without ceasing? Well, when we understand that prayer is not just speaking words, but prayer is our being in the presence of God. Our life our heart is a constant communion with god if we are walking in his will our spirit our heart is continuously in communion and communication with our heavenly father as we go through life surrendered and submitted to his will our heart will hear his voice whenever he speaks, and it's an openness, a desire to walk with him that is praying without ceasing.
0: Out of all the disciples, only one of them asked Jesus to teach them to pray. It sometimes seems the church is in a similar situation today regarding prayer. We talk about prayer, we study prayer, we say our prayers, but how many of us actually seek earnestly for God to teach us to pray? Prayer is the most important task for a Christian, and in today's teaching, Pastor Harlan Purdy demonstrates the one way we can learn to pray is by looking at the prayer life of Jesus.
1: If I was to ask you what is life's most important task, and I was to give everyone an opportunity to answer that question, I would probably get as many answers as there are people here. But the reality is, is that life's most important task is related to life's greatest privilege. The greatest privilege that we have is relationship and communion with God. The Word of God tells us that life's most critical task for any human being is to glorify God. I can only glorify him if I know him and I can only know him if I'm in relationship with him and if I am in relationship with him I must be in conversation with him because relationships are built through communication and we have the wonderful amazing privilege of communicating with our Heavenly Father through prayer so life's most important task life's greatest privilege is prayer so we're going to talk about prayer today Lord teach us to pray is a cry that we hear from the disciples in Luke chapter 11 and verse number one they they have been watching Jesus And they have been observing him pray. They have perhaps overheard some of his prayers. And they have recognized something distinctive and unique about Jesus' communion and communication with the Father. And they are led to ask in one voice, Lord, will you teach us to pray? Now that tells me something. It tells me that prayer isn't necessarily something that comes natural it's something we need to learn and so while prayer may seem as though it is as natural to the Christian as breathing is to the human being I don't think that that's actually necessarily true we need to learn how to pray in fact would you believe it I had to learn how to breathe uh, with great anguish uh, when uh, when I was first starting out preaching I i I'd been pastoring and preaching maybe three or four years and and I developed some ulcers on my vocal cords and so, therefore, I had to be sent to a speech therapist. And I, I know how to talk, but what they were going to teach me was how to breathe so that I didn't put pressure on my vocal cords so that the ulcers that were there would heal and I wouldn't cause any more. Now, I don't know how well I've learned how to breathe, but I guess my being here suggests that I learned okay. I'm still standing and I'm still speaking and in just a few days I'm going to celebrate being 29. <laughs> and and I you know so I learning how to breathe well learning how to pray may sound like kind of a ridiculous thing but I'm going to suggest to you that John chapter 17, verse number 1 provides some basic instruction in prayer at the foundational level, and if we will listen to it and learn from it, it will help us in our prayer life. These things Jesus spoke, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that the son may glorify thee John 17 is the high priestly prayer of Jesus It's a prayer. He prays when he's with his disciples in the upper room It's a prayer. He prays just hours before he goes to the cross and so Its content would be extremely important. These opening words are helpful for us if we want to understand prayer and if we want to grow in our own personal prayer life. First of all, we recognize this. According to John chapter 17 and verse number 1, we pray to the Father. We pray to the Father. The biblical pattern for prayer is to the Father... In the name of the Son, in the power of the Spirit. Jesus addressed his Father six times in this prayer recorded in John 17. Now, sometimes I've heard people pray and they use, you know, Father or Lord or God, every other word. That's not necessary. But our prayer should be directed to the Father. Now, some of you are going to say, well, what about the Son and what about the Holy Spirit? Well, we'll get there. But let's say that that primarily the person that is addressed is the Father. We are talking to our Heavenly Father. When, When Jesus is asked in Luke chapter 11, Lord, teach us to pray. How does he teach them to pray? Our Father, our Father. And so we address him. Jesus, in this case, addresses the Father six times. And he says, Holy Father, Righteous Father. He uses other expletives and adjectives along with the Father relationship that he has with God. So, our prayer then, we pray to the Father. You see, that's important because it tells us something. Our prayer is based on sonship. We address the father because our prayer is based on our position as a son of God now ladies don't don't get disturbed um, this particular text is is written in an ancient world written in an ancient world where women didn't have identity they had no legal status and so Paul and Peter and Jesus said to all the women, When you come into the kingdom of God, you're made sons. That doesn't mean he changes your gender, it means he changes your position. Now, we don't live in the ancient world. We live in a modern world. Well, we actually live in a postmodern world, so many say, where equality reigns men and women are equal on all levels <laughs> they should be though shouldn't they <laughs> we, we don't live in a situation where being a, a daughter means that you don't have legal rights uh, daughters can inherit property from their family just like sons can and so it's okay in the 21st century to to call you a daughter of God. And, uh, you, you know, so don't get offended by this idea of sonship. It, it, was, it was important in that ancient world to let everybody know, no matter their age, no matter their gender, no matter their occupation, no matter their socioeconomic status, no matter anything, that when you come into the kingdom of God, you are given a place where you have legal status. You can... Address the father and so we address the father because our Relationship with him is rooted in the fact that we are his child Most of you can remember growing up and Because you were the child of your parents You had certain privileges. There were rooms you could go into that no one else could go in. You could be at the house in times when no one else could be there. You had privilege as a child. And that's what Jesus wants us to understand is that we have privilege as children of God. Sonship means that God will listen to us. He will hear us. When we pray, God listens. Now, I don't know how he does that. You know, because I'm sure that on any given second of any given day that there are millions of people praying and God listens to it all. And he hears it and he responds the father delights when you and i share our needs with him if you says jesus being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more shall your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him matthew 7:11 the father's heart reaches to his children out of love he longs to share good things with him the better we know the father the easier it will be to pray and the easier it will be to pray according to his will so what then about jesus and or the holy spirit occasionally we hear people addressing their prayers to the son jesus and even to the holy spirit in the bible We find in Acts chapter 7 verse 59 that Stephen, when he is being stoned, looked up towards heaven and he addresses his prayer to Jesus the Son. Now there are no biblical examples of prayer to the Holy Spirit. However, Father, Son, and Spirit are the triune God. And if they are the triune God, then praying to one is not... Wrong, we can pray to each of them. But the formula, if you will, that is biblical is to pray to the Father in the name of the Son in the power of the Spirit. But we can address our prayer to Jesus. And I confess, I pray to Jesus quite often. He's my brother. In fact, he's my older brother. Now, being an older brother, I understand the obligations of that position. Now, I don't pray to Jesus and ask him to coerce the father my brother used to do that he would come to me and say you ask him the reason why he wanted me to ask him was because if there was going to be some negative consequences to the ask, I'd be the one to get it well we don't pray to Jesus to coerce the father but we can talk to Jesus because he is very much involved and engaged in our life and so is the Holy Spirit so uh, let's just say that we can address either father son or spirit in prayer it is not wrong to do so Jude chapter 20 instructs us to pray in the Holy Spirit and so we should very much expect and anticipate the engagement of the Holy Spirit in our praying according to John 17 and 1 posture in prayer is critical oh it's not critical you mean i don't have to stand i don't have to kneel why well, I guess I better move on from this part of the sermon because I got it all wrong. Now, according to, to John 17 and 1, in fact, we really don't know the posture of Jesus. It doesn't tell us. Was he sitting? Was he lying down? Was he standing? Was, uh, we, posture is not critical. If we look through the scriptures, we will find that people have prayed in many different postures. We do know that Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven when he prayed according to John 11:41 He lifted up his eyes to heaven I was told when I was little when you pray close your eyes Some of you've been there We don't even have to close our eyes when we pray many postures are possible. If we look through the scriptures, some bowed their knees when they prayed. Genesis 24, 52, 2 Chronicles twenty-eighteen, and on can go the list. When Jesus prayed in Gethsemane, he began by bowing his knees. He then fell on his face as he talked to the Father. Matthew 26, Daniel knelt when he prayed. King David sat when he talked with God about the promised kingdom in Second Samuel chapter 7, Abraham stood when he was interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis 18. And so posture is really not that important when it comes to physical posture, but posture of the heart is critical. The important thing is the posture of our heart. It's much easier to bow our knee than to bow our will. The posture of the heart is to be one of submission to God. While the outward posture can be evidence of the inward spiritual posture, not always is that the case. And so it is important that you and I guard the posture of our heart when we pray I have heard individuals pray in manners that scare me I have literally had heard people commanding God as though he was their butler our posture should always be a posture of submission of will to the Father according to John 17 and 1 God's will is an essential aspect of prayer there's a story told of a couple of men that, that they, there had just been a, a, a hurricane that had passed over Florida and it, it had just wreaked havoc over this particular town, left wreckage everywhere. And the next day, there was a bunch of men and they were cleaning up that town. And one man said to the other, I'm not ashamed to admit, I prayed last night. And the other guy said, yeah, I'm sure the Lord heard many new voices last night. I've told you the story of my uncle. I I had an uncle. He was a reprobate of all reprobates. His lifestyle was as ungodly as it was possible to be. And I remember as a very young boy being with my father out on the, on the ocean fishing and a storm came up and all of a sudden we were facing 25 and 30 foot waves and we didn't know if we were going to get back home. Can you imagine a 30 foot wave coming at a 40 foot boat? It's scary. The wind howling and I remember my uncle dropping on his knees, lifting his hands and saying, oh God, God. If you get my feet back on land, I'll serve you the rest of my life. We got back on land. As you can tell, we did actually make it back on land. He stepped on the boat, and the first words out of his mouth were curse. So using prayer only in emergency is probably not the best route to go. Prayer isn't a get-out-of-jail-free card. It isn't a use-only-an-emergency piece of equipment. We pray earnestly, and it's critical that we learn to pray yielded to the Father's will. Jesus says, Father, the hour has come it's a very interesting statement jesus says the hour has come what hour? The hour for which he had come into the world. The hour for which he had been born. The hour that he would die on the cross. The hour that he would become the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The, the hour when he would finish the work of redemption. The hour when he would accomplish the father's plan for his life. And if you follow through the gospel of John, you will see some very interesting things. At the very early parts of the book, in chapter 2 verse number 4 jesus response to his mother at the wedding in cana is woman what have i to do with you my hour has not yet come in chapter 7 in verse number 30 they were seeking therefore to seize him and no man laid his hand on him because his hour had not yet come john 8 and 20 says these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple and no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. John 12, 23, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. John 13, 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he should depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. John 17, 1, Father, the hour has come Phillips Brooks says the purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven but to get God's will done on earth the purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven but to get God's will done on earth If we want to pray in the will of God then we must live in the will of God prayer is not really something that we do it is something that we are it is the highest and deepest expression of our inner person unless we do the will of God our living will negate our praying Prayer in the Father's will can be costly. Let me warn you. There is oftentimes a price to pay when we sincerely pray in the will of God. Jesus was about to receive the cup. And there is a cup for each one of us. We have a role to play in the furtherance of the kingdom of God. God's plan and purpose for you is that your life will in some way Glorify him it will in some way Advance his kingdom and There will be cost to that We may not always Recognize it as cost but there is cost we have to let go of of things many times to follow and pursue the plan and purpose of God for our life there are many sitting here today that you could be in many other places and you could be enjoying life much more than than the circumstances of your life could be far different far more comfortable than they are today but you're here because you believe that you are pursuing the will of God for your life. One of the most difficult things for me to do is to be in a place like this. Uh, crowds are hard for me. I'm an introvert. <laughs> You're all laughing at me. I am. I'm an introvert. I've learned to have extrovert Expressions, but I'm an introvert. Being with people drains me. There are days I don't even like people. <laughs> there are days I just want to find a cave somewhere, turn off all the lights, and hide. And when God called me into ministry. I said, I'm sure you're mistaken. You got the wrong person. God said, no. And I have spent my entire life doing something that's hard for me. It's not comfortable many times. But I know that I am following God's will. And so there has been cost. There will be cost for you as well. It will be different than my cost, but following the will of God will challenge us at times. It will will always force us to make some tough choices. Prayer in the Father's will enables us to live on God's timetable. Jesus, as we saw going through the book of John, lived on a divine timetable. Uh, Oh, I got to hurry. In in 1993, I I started uh getting involved in in missions and and coming to Africa. And the first opportunity that I had. Now y'all know what was going on in 1993, right? If I if I say Mogadishu, Somalia, uh in 1993, you y'all you know what Mogadishu, Somalia was in 1993. It, it was the hotbed of the UNISOM war zone. That was my first assignment, and as I was I, I was pastoring in Bermuda at the time, and as I was preparing to to go and spend a few months in Mogadishu, Somalia, people said, "What have you killed? If I die, I die." They said, are you scared? And I wasn't no I'm not and then somebody said you're crazy and I said no I'm not crazy I just understand that my life is lived on God's timetable and nobody can take my life until God says it's time so I don't have to worry that I'm in a war zone now that doesn't mean I went to the war zone and I got stupid You know, I didn't run down the street saying, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me. (laughs) You know, I'm Superman. Bullets will bounce off me. I didn't didn't do that. Used the wisdom that I knew and that I could, but I didn't live in fear because I understood that my life, as is yours, is lived on a divine timetable. If we are walking in the will of God, We will not die until God says it's time. So Ebola, do what you want to do. You will not take my life until God says it is time. Now, doesn't mean I'm going to be stupid, but... I will not live in fear and you don't need to either we live on God's timetable God's will leads us into that prayer in the Father's will enables us to pray without ceasing to have seasons of prayer and to have regular prayer to pray without ceasing how do I do that how do I pray without ceasing? Well, when we understand that prayer is not just speaking words, but prayer is our being in the presence of God, our life our heart is a constant communion with god if we are walking in his will our spirit our heart is continuously in communion and communication with our heavenly father as we go through life surrendered and submitted to his will our heart will hear his voice whenever he speaks and it's an openness a desire to walk with him that is praying without ceasing Psalm 37 and 4 says delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart now that's not a recipe for getting your most desired things from God It's not what that is. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Here's what that text is saying. If you will delight yourself in the Lord, if you will walk with the Lord, if you will fill your life with his will and purpose and presence, he will transform the desires of your heart so that they will be in alignment with his will and with his purpose. Not that I desire a BMW, so I'm going to delight myself in the Lord, so I can get my BMW. If the Lord wants you to have one, wonderful. If he doesn't, you don't want it. A good question to ask when we pray is this. If God answers my request, will it bring him glory? And another good question: what will this answer look like when Jesus returns? I've discovered that testing my prayers that way is very helpful, according to John seventeen: one we pray in faith. we pray in faith. Suppose Jesus had looked at his circumstances, suppose he had taken and looked. Carefully at his situation through human eyes only Could he have prayed what he did? I don't think so But he didn't look at things from human eyes He didn't look at things from a human perspective. He didn't look at his situation from the present moment He looked at his current situation through the eyes of the future He saw what was going to be not what was he had very few followers. His own nation had rejected him. The ones who were his followers had all run away. And yet he prayed, I glorified thee on earth, having accomplished the work which thou hast given me to do. You see, by faith, Jesus understood that he was going to be a grain. Dropped as a seed into the ground that would for centuries to come produce fruit. And he understood that his being sown as a seed into the ground was going to produce life in his followers and his disciples, that the church would be born, that nations would be transformed, that the kingdom of God would expand and explode on planet earth, that it would accomplish his purpose, because he looked past the moment. If we had given a human evaluation of the life of Jesus at the moment of Calvary, we would have said, what a waste. What a waste of good talent. What a waste of power. What a waste of ability. What a waste of a life. Failure. 2,000 years down the road, would we say that? Absolutely not absolutely not and so we need to pray with the eye of faith we need to learn to look past the moment and see not what men see but to see what God sees and to see the purpose of God in my own prayer life God is constantly seeking to bring me back to these fundamentals It's easy for me to get detoured by external things, by time, by so many factors, by the busyness of life, and my Father has to remind me that effective praying must come from the heart, and so I have to guard my heart. I must repeatedly examine my relationship with the Heavenly Father to make sure I am in His will, and that I want to be in His will. Doing the will of God from my heart I have to examine my motives am I praying so that the father will be glorified or so that I might have some comfortable way is my prayer selfish or is it God focused am I praying by faith basing my requests on God's Word maybe you can't relate to that but that's my confession this morning true prayer is the byproduct of our personal love relationship with the heavenly father and so in closing i'm going to ask you will you with me again check your prayer life in the light of john 17:1 will you ask yourself the question Are God's will and glory primary when I pray? Is prayer a regular part of my life? Will you bow with me just for a moment? Father, we come to you again today to surrender ourselves and to seek your face. We want to know your perfect will in our lives. We want to know your design for us. And we want to follow it. Help us, Lord, to surrender our heart completely and totally to you. Help us to devote our life to glorifying our Father who is in heaven. And to accomplishing his will on earth. gonna ask you for commitment today will you commit with me and I'm gonna ask you to put your hands up to pray for five minutes at least twice during each day I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take and write down names. I'd rather you be honest than, than to just put your name up because you think you need to put your name up. Thursday evening at 5.30, we gather here to pray. Would, would you do your best to join with us? On Thursday evening at 530 to lift up the nation to lift up the city of Blantyre to seek the will of God and to pray that revival will come to this nation that God's spirit and power and presence will fall in this land like it has never fallen before will you join with us on Thursday evening will you join with us Friday the 29th for an all night of prayer let's stand together shall we Father we thank you today we thank you for Shelby she's been a blessing to us and we grieve at her going but we also understand Lord that you are leading her And that she's following and pursuing your will and your purpose in her life. And so we pray for her as she goes from us to return to her home and continue education and pursue other things. So that she might fully equip herself to do the will of her father in heaven here on earth. Lord bless her. And thank you again father for blessing us with her for a little while. We pray that it may possibly be your will to bring her back here again in the not-too-distant future. Lord, bless your people. Bless your children. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks again for listening to the City Pentecostal Church Sermon of the Week. We hope that today's teaching by Pastor Harlan Purdy has helped to encourage you to put prayer first in your life. Jesus emphasized the importance of prayer, so we should make it a priority in our lives, no matter how busy we may be. Commit to making it a priority today, and you'll find as you spend time with the Lord that in the heart of life's challenges, He will give you comfort and peace, and you'll be trained and ready to respond with wisdom and a godly attitude. For more free resources and teachings like this one, please visit our website, citypentecostal.church.